Welcome to the Give and Go podcast. My name is Kelton Brook, and I'm here to give you these straight facts and opinions, and you just have to go with it. You can follow me on Twitter at BrooksHN News and check out my blog site at BrooksWeekly.wordpress.com. Now, let's hop right into the NBA playoffs. Well, the most interesting series that should not have been is the San Antonio Spurs versus the Memphis Grizzlies. The Spurs smoked. The Grizzlies in the first game and pulled away from them in game two as well in a series that looked like they was just done, over with. It was a sweep waiting to happen, just waiting to sweep the Grizzlies up under the rugs. But then, surprisingly, Mike Conley happened. And Mike Conley happened a lot. I've always been pretty hard on Mike Conley because I never felt like he was a superstar player. I never felt like he was a superstar point guard because even after signing his $153 million contract this past summer, this is Conley's first year averaging 20 points per game and he's averaging 6.3 assists. But in this playoff series against the Spurs, he's averaging 24 points per game and 7.3 assists. And this is against Kawhi Leonard. And the Spurs had to put Kawhi Leonard on Conley during that Probably the best game of this playoffs in an overtime victory for the Grizzlies who have won two straight at home after the Spurs won the first two at home. So even after the Spurs won that pivotal five game, pivotal game five matchup, excuse me, the Grizzlies still have a chance because no team has yet to win on the road in this series against San Antonio and Memphis. Now to talk a little bit more about this Grizzlies and Spurs matchup, I will bring in my man who's like a brother to me, and that is Trevor McClure, better known as 2-3. He is an upcoming artist in Atlanta, but he is from the hometown. We grew up right around, right around the corner from each other. So, my man, Trevin, what's up? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Doing good. We'll hop right up into it. Look, man, are you surprised the Grizzlies are even in the playoffs right now? Even in this series? I am not surprised that the Grizzlies are in the playoffs, and I'm not surprised they are in this series either. I mean, look, it was the Spurs was up what two zero, killed the Grizzlies. It was looking like a sweep. But how to get back into it? You know, I've always been hard on Mike Conley. I mean, did you expect this type of performance out of him? Well, I always seen Mike Conley as being one of the top point guards in the league. I feel like in the market he's in and his skill set, it doesn't really set. It doesn't really bring the attention as what a Westbrook or a Curry can do, but he does so many things great, especially off the pick and roll. He's a good scorer. He's a great defender. Uh, seeing what he has done, especially in the game three and game four, just kind of proves what I've been always arguing with you for years about. Mike <laughs> Conley deserves to be one of the – notice as one of the top point guards in the league. Mike Conley deserves to be recognized in the top as everybody else as we can see what he's done in his playoffs. Not to mention – Again, you are listening to the Give and Go podcast with Kelton Brooks. I have Trevor McClure on the line. Again, I said he is an up-and-coming artist in Atlanta known as 2-3. So, again, man, and he said Mike Conley is a top point guard in his league, but is he top five? Like, what would you rank him? Curry, Damian Lillard, uh, Thomas, John Wall, but I do 
Wait, wait, you put him over Chris Paul? Did I just hear that? Right behind. Oh, right, right behind. Chris right Paul. behind Chris Paul. At seven. So he's a top point guard. You have him in top 10. I, I will listen to an argument of putting Mike Conley over Lillard just because I think Conley plays better defense than Lillard because I don't, I, I mean, I don't think Lillard's a superstar point guard. I think he's an all-star point guard, but not a superstar. Most definitely all-star. Most definitely. Okay. But, yeah, I think, he, I think he scored about a little better. He gets to the rim a little better than what Conley does. That's why I put him on the edge. So just taking it back to the series, of course the Grizzlies lost that pivotal game five, but what we've seen so far in this series is that no team can win on the road. I mean, do you expect the Grizzlies to come out and win game six, or do you think the series is over? Mm, based off watching the last night games, I feel like they should have got a little bit more rebounds. I think they kind of killed it towards the end. And it's just so tough to uh, guard Kawhi Leonard. I just think, you know, he's probably one of the greatest players in the league, unguardable. So I do believe they can win game six at home. It seems like their home field advantage or their home court advantage, however you want to name it, has given each team an advantage to kind of push them over the edge. But I kind of see them winning their game six. I think it's a big seven-game series going down to the wire. Speaking of Memphis and that home court advantage, people don't know Memphis like we do. You know, they, they play whoop their trick, you know, and that's the edited version. They play whoop their trick in the arena. And, and we and we know the stories about Zebo and that's Zach Randolph, you know, coming up on people's porches at the U of M, you know, rolling dice. So, I mean, talk to me about that atmosphere in Memphis. What people don't know about the FedEx form? Well, people got to understand that, man, Memphis take basketball to heart. So, it's a sport that, man, we really hold near dear to our hearts. We come out and as you can see over the years, this really grind mentality has really taken off. And, you know, so a lot of people like to call it an outdated, you know, type of game, especially with the way people are scoring the ball lately. But as you can see, just in the series alone, with a team like the Spurs, with a coach like Popovich, the reasons that brought that grit and grind, they in-your-face mentality, and it's showing that this can still, you know, work in this today's NBA. Um, Man, it's just come from, it's a blue-collar city, man, so we are hard-working people, man. To have a basketball team like the Grizzlies with players like Zero, who's like the hometown favorite, and Tony Allen, like loyal guys that has been around for this long, who put they all on the court every night. Man, it just brings a lot of excitement to the city, man. The people love it, man. People come out and support. They do a lot for the city. So, man, it just does something to the community when we see them people go out there and play well. Again, you are listening to the Give and Go podcast and the voice of Trevor McClure. Again, he's an up-and-coming artist in Atlanta. Talk to me a little bit about, I guess, the the hip-hop scene in Atlanta. I know you are an up-and-coming artist, and a lot of people don't know the obstacles that you guys have go through. And of course, a lot of people can try to take this route, but they don't know what all it takes to get to a specific level. So kind of talk to me about what you're doing now. My name is Trevor McClure. I do go by two three. I am an artist, a part of Pagan Girl Records. Uh, not only me being an artist, I do uh, directing and I do write. So the hip hop scene in Atlanta is very complex. It, it, it gets real deep. There's a lot of people that come from all over the world to come to this city. There's a lot of people within the city. A lot of great artists have come out of this city and then it's Memphis and Atlanta connection is very deep. Uh, what you see is a lot of people who put a lot of work in. When you go to shows, you see a lot of talented people. So what I have noticed over the time since I've been here, I moved here last August, 
you know, the artists that break out, the artists that make the most out of their opportunities are the ones that are consistent and put in a lot of work, who does more than just music, who works on the image, who works on the actual brand that people can relate to. Uh, it's a real city that provides a lot of opportunities. So for anybody who's out there listening, who wants to be an artist and thinking about moving to Atlanta, just understand like you got to have that mentality to be hungry, go out there and get it. This is an everyday grind. And it's nothing to take lightly. Like, people are coming in this city every day off the bus, off flights, with dreams of being their next artist. So it's all about what you're willing to do to be the next best thing to come out this city. But again, y'all, that, that grind and that bravado that you hear in his voice, that's that Memphis. That's that White Haven all day long. So it's probably my, it's probably my last question here, man. Probably the most, in, the most important question, um, a real serious question here. Tell everybody about how I'm the Madden King. Go on, tell them how I'm the Madden Champ. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we've been playing Madden for uh, <laughs> about 10 years now. I mean, <laughs> they don't even sound like, like long enough. I mean, like, it's like every ritual for me and you. I mean, as soon as Madden comes out, I mean, we're at the game stop, get the game. Next day, we probably playing like five or six games. It gets really tense, you know. <laughs> there might be times where I win like four or five games in a row, and you come back and you win like two in a row, and then next time. Oh, two in a row. <laughs> <laughs> we got bragging rights. But, I mean, it's really, it's real, it's, it's real sport to us, man. It's something we do every year. I really see us doing this even when we have kids, man. So, I'm ready to whip up on you with the times this year. And, uh, you know. Keep that winning record going. <laughs> I think the record right like, probably like one thousand to me and probably like seven hundred. <laughs> Boy, ain't no doggone way. You about three hundred games better. Ain't no way. <laughs> Again, y'all, y'all just got done listening to um Trevor McClure, man. I appreciate you for jumping on the show, dog. listening to the give and go podcast and my name is kelton brooks now my man trevor no doggone well he ain't up no 1000 to 700 in this madden series i'm the man king i played the los angeles Rams. i mean that's my squad but jumping on to a more serious topic around draft time Things like the Wonderlick test and failed drug tests from guys like Jabril Peppers, um, who had a diluted substance. And, and all that is, is he probably smoked some weed before two weeks prior to the draft and tried to drink some type of um, toxic or whatever to clean out his system, but it didn't come through in time enough. So therefore, he has a diluted substance. But a more a grievous case is with Ohio State cornerback Gary and Conley. And this is a pretty serious one, but also when you read the reports, it's also a little bit of head-scratching because um, Conley has been accused of rape. And from the reports that I've read was that him and some friends were on a hotel elevator. And on the elevator, they met a group of women. And the lady, she went back to a room with Conley 
and as they got to the room, another man and woman was already in the room. Now that man and that woman went into the bathroom of the hotel room, and apparently Conley and the woman were in the bed. Now, in the report that I read, the woman has stated that she told Conley that he, I mean, that she did not want to have sexual intercourse, but she agreed, but she thought that she could um, soothe him into that decision by watching the other couple. But she said Conley grabbed her and, and then that's where the allegations came from. He hasn't been arrested or he hasn't been charged, but Cleveland police, which is where the incident took place, are investigating the accusations. Now, with things like this um, arise towards the draft, of course, draft start plummets. Just like the year prior with Lowell Collins, the offensive lineman from LSU who, would draft, well, who went undrafted, but the Cowboys picked him up. He, his name was connected to a murder regarding, I believe, I, I could be wrong, but regarding his baby's mother, I believe. And he was attached to that, but he was found innocent of all charges, um, well, of all accusations during that one. It was just he was questioned for it and he went undrafted. Now, police are still trying to, of course, solve this one and, and determine the investigations of this one, but also in other reports that I've read and from witnesses regarding the situation was that Conley and the woman, they never touched each other. And from the witnesses from inside the rooms that they just saw them laying down on the bed with each other, but nothing more than that. Now, that doesn't mean something did not happen at all. Like something could have happened. It's just that all of the facts uh, behind the accusation have not been brought um, to light. And to talk more about situations like these, or even with Joe Mixon or Jabril Peppers and guys like this, I'm bringing on my man, Levi Bernfin, who is a sports reporter with the Garden City Telegram. Hey. My man, Levi, what's up, man? Not much. How you doing? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. So I'm going to hop right back into it, man. I know you follow a lot of college football. Of course, I know you are a huge Oregon fan, but have you seen a lot of um, on and off the field, you know, character issues? But this draft has a lot of it. And the most recent one to come up is Gary and Conley from the the Ohio State cornerback. I guess how much have you seen um, in that situation, and what have you made out of it? Yeah, well, I mean, I've just read what everybody else has read. Um, you know, choose a rape, which <laughs> uh, to say is is, uh, is the worst thing that we could possibly, uh, you know, worst thing that that uh, has kind of affected our society right now. It seems like in, in colleges across the campus with Baylor and stuff like that. So, you know, but that's all I've seen, and it's it's one of those things where it's. It's, you don't want to ever uh, uh, draw an opinion too quickly because you, you just don't know what uh, what to make of it yet. Again, you're listening to the Give and Go podcast, and I have Levi Bernfin on the phone. He's a sports reporter with the Garden City Telegram. One thing that I was reading in a report that I was looking at, and it has some funny details. I shouldn't say funny, but the details are just kind of interesting because, of course, she told Gary and no. But then it said to basically appease that option, to more to appease him for the option, she said they decided to watch another couple in the um, hotel room. Did you read that? Oh, I did. No, I. The last I saw was was uh, I, I read the ESPN report uh, talking about how I guess she declined an offer of group sex. <laughs> right. And and 
then, uh, and then, and then the report, interestingly enough, said Conley had sex with her, then kicked her out of the room. It's that's a strange way to word that uh, because having sex with her it implies something completely different than raping her. Exactly. So, so that that's a strange way for ESPN to write that. Actually, it's looks like uh, information from the Associated Press associated too, but ESPN actually wrote it. But that's a strange way to to write that because it's accusations of rape. So if accusations of rape, he didn't have sex with her, he raped her. All right. And, and that's one that I was looking for as well um, in the book that I was reading. But this kind of puts me into mind of, and I mentioned this before I brought you on the line, but of Lowell Collins last year with LSU. You know, he was connected with that murder right. case that came around, yeah. and he fell completely from the draft. And police are still investigating what's going on with Conley. I mean, do you think that this could possibly have that same effect that Collins had last year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, there's, I think there, it's a stronger... Uh, I think there's more of a chance that he falls completely to the draft than he's actually drafted at this point, um, especially in this in this case. I think, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, I think rape um, in, in, in the current climate is is much more of a risk than murder. I know that's weird to say, probably yes. stupid to say, but it, in Lyle Collins' case, I, I mean, he was cleared pretty quickly after after the draft, but he had fallen falling from it so you know you can just you can hope for Conley for his his sake if he did not do it which I'm going to say a big if because I do not I'm not I do not like the uh, the instant reaction to a lot of people saying that the accusers are automatically lying in these cases that happens a lot of that a lot of times people just automatically assume they're lying when in, most of the time they're not but if he's if he's innocent for him I hope that he gets the quick clearance as well. Uh, if he did nothing wrong, and like he says he does, like he and his lawyer said he didn't, then I hope he gets cleared of it pretty quickly as well. That way he can get his NFL life back on track because it's not the worst thing in the world to enter the NFL as an undrafted free agent, especially if you're really, really good. If you go on as an undrafted free agent, you play the first year on a, on a terrible deal, but then you can get deals, you can get extensions pretty quickly after that. So it's not the worst thing in the world to have to happen to, to him if that's the case. All right. Speaking of that, I I think Collins did get somewhat of a three year deal as an um, undrafted free agent from the Cowboys. Um, something I want to bring up that I I somewhat struggle with it because I know with women in this in today's society that when they do come to police or you know some type of investigators about rape, it goes unheard of. It goes you know it goes up under the rug and. Yeah. It doesn't come up to you know to a lot of days of what actually happened, but then you have people like in the James Winston situation when they say, oh, you know, he was found, he was, he was cleared or whatever, or even in his Conley case, they don't know what's happening. And then if the woman finds out that her accusation is somewhat false or um, holds my mirror or whatever, you know, they say maybe she she should face some type of repercussions. I always struggle with that because because I know women they face so much struggle. Yeah. As as far as you know even having the courage to come up and say, this happened to me. So when you hear people yeah. say that, yeah, I guess, you know, what goes through your mind or how do you interpret that? No, I'm, I'm with you. I struggle with that too. I think it's something that we all need to struggle with, truthfully, trying to grip, uh, find a way to, to, to handle these situations. Because a lot of the time, uh, being a victim of rape, your identity is protected, and rightfully so, I get that. And the police don't don't say your name, uh, don't report your name, and the media doesn't report it, and that's 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 big. You, they shouldn't be reported. At the same time, what happens is, because of that, 
the media then only gets one side of the story. They own like such as in Gary Conley's case, you know, all the stories report exactly what his lawyers are already saying happened, and they're only getting that side of the story right away. And so they're like, oh, well, this is what three witnesses that during Conley's people came up with that, that are saying he didn't do it. Well, then he obviously didn't do it. Well, that's not the case. You know, you, you can't automatically assume that that side of the story is correct. But because uh, they don't media is not able to get the other side of the story at this point um uh, that's the only side that the public is getting that we're able to read about and so that situation turns into people automatically assuming she's lying they go back to the duke lacrosse case the famous duke lacrosse case for a long time ago um you know that 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 woman turned out to be lying well <laughs> the vast majority of cases i don't know the exact percentage but the vast majority of cases are actually true their women are not lying they don't want to make themselves uh public on a lie it's just not something that they do on a regular basis and so to assume that is is wrong at the same time we can't look at conley as a rapist right now i think what's happened to james winston over the last few years people just assume he's a rapist now i get it because he's a lot of that stuff has he's brought on himself you know that's the the yelling of the obscenities in the lunchroom that was a bad look for him. <laughs> yeah. and, and and you know but he never went through a process where he was found guilty of anything either i think it's one of those things that that we just have to wrestle with every day and figure out how are we supposed to handle these things and, and i think it's truly something that um that media needs to do a better job of that i've been trying to research and look more into to figure out how do I cover this thing more effectively without uh, uh, bias to one side or the other. Again, you're listening to the Give and Go podcast and I have Levi Brantman on the line. Switching topic just to another player. Guys like Joe Mixon, who, of course, he... Um, yeah. I guess, take a plea deal. I, I think that's what happened. He took a plea deal for for you know punching a woman and we all saw that. Yeah, I think on. it was diversion. Yeah. So we like all... diversion program. Right, and he's going through a whole lot of different things to, um, I guess, write his career path. And I think I read something that he actually met with the woman. They had a conversation with each other. And I read that, but we're like, ah, I get it. You know, I have a conversation with her, but, man, I I just don't see how she could do it, you know, just after going yeah. through that. But this I think mixing, mixing goes right into with the point uh, we were just talking about and how do we handle the situation. And, and uh, a lot of times... I think some people might go overboard with the way they handle uh, uh, the film mixing of the world. The Tyree Kills, who actually went to Garden City Community College here and um, was was also uh, also uh, being his girlfriend, chokes his pregnant girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Actually, I mean that was a that was a bad deal as well. Um, but uh, the, they went through a legal process. They quote unquote paid their their debt, you know, whatever, whatever turned out in each case, that's what the legal system um, provided. Do we need as a society to punish them further? I don't, that's something I also, I also grapple, uh, grapple with quite often. And, and how do we, how do we talk about people like Tyreek Hill years after the fact? Do we, if we're actually going to give him a second chance, doesn't that mean we got to give him a second chance and, and not uh, make him uh, 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 a criminal, and every time we talk about him. All right, and so to piggyback off that, 
with the Joe Mixon situation, we saw what already happened and what's played out for him. I don't know if I saw this in the report or hear or hear good um, Roger Goodell mention it, but I, I know I read something about should college players who are coming into the NFL draft having you know some type of prior incident should they receive some type of suspension coming into the draft? Do you think there's something fair or there's something that could happen or should happen? No, I I I, I don't think I agree with that. Uh, don't retroactively punish players. Um, that's something for college actually needs to do a better job of. They're, they do a re- they fall really, really short. The funny thing is, NFL has seen a lot of flack for their handling domestic violence cases over the last few years, and they've done a poor job. But the college has actually probably done a worse job in handling these cases. Um, a lot of times they are swept under the rug. A lot of times they, the players get a half, you know, half of a game suspension or, or something like that. That's ridiculous. Um, but I am not on board with NFL retroactively punishing these players. Um, I, I, in fact, I, I, I almost have a problem with uh, saying automatically they're not inviting them to the combine, that sort of thing. Um, you know, it, it, it goes back to this. It's just how do we handle these players? Do we want, really want to give them a second chance or do we not? We, we have to decide on that. Because if we're going to give them a second chance or say we're going to give them a second chance, we actually have to give them one, right? And if you want to make, make it a zero tolerance policy, I'm on board with that too. If you want to say as soon as this person has domestic violence in their past or, or, or uh, you know, is convicted of domestic violence or some type of sexual assault, they are out of the league, I, I can get on board with that too. We just have to decide which way we're going to do it because it's picking and choosing of which players we're going to hold that to and which ones we're not. That's the problem. Again, you have been listening to the voice of Levi Bernford. Man, I appreciate you for joining and talking to me about that. Like I said, I know I follow you, and you speak openly and honest about things of this nature all the time, and respectfully so. So, man, I appreciate you for doing that. No, I appreciate you giving me a call. I'll take it easy, man. Have a good one. I like to give and go. I like to give